Are you a new or aspiring woman leader that wants to make a successful leap into leadership? Do you want to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so that you can become the kind of leader other people want to follow? Welcome to The Leadership Leap, a show that is all about helping women to become more confident about making the leap into leadership. Now, here is your host, Leanne Pico. Hey there, welcome to The Leadership Leap. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Well, today is going to be an amazing, amazing show. And before I tell you about it, though, I am going to say a big thank you to Christina Sacchifio, who was here last week with her segment, The Inclusion Zone. And I want to say thank you to Christina for an amazing chat about allyship and accountability. Uh, Very timely conversation. Um, And also, Christina, she's a master of making complex ideas really easy, uh, breaking it down, um, which, you know, when we we were talking a lot about systemic racism, we're talking about... um, you know, anti-black racism, and we need to, you know, sometimes we need to break it down to really understand what's happening. And so Christina is very good at that. And also what I love about her is she challenges us to act. So not only breaking the ideas down, but uh, giving us ideas for action. And then I also want to say thank you to Gurpreet Kaurman, HR superhero, for helping us to learn about job searching during COVID-19. There are jobs out there. Uh, So if you did not get a chance to listen to the show, check it out or download it in your favorite podcast provider. Um, You can find uh, a whole list of those on the Leadership Leap show page. So today is a story takeover, and I'm so excited about this show. I don't know whether you know this or not, but I previously had a show with Voice America. It was called Story Powered. Um, When you look at the show page for the Leadership Leap, you can see some previous shows. And honestly, oh, such good conversations. Go back, listen, binge listen. I I really, I recommend. Um, So what, what happened was in doing that show where I was, you know, on a journey of learning about story, I met some really, truly wonderful people who, um, story practitioners, story authors, and I'm pleased to have two of those folks today that I met on that journey. Um, again, very timely stuff. So, oh, as Gurpreet mentioned last week, there are jobs, uh, but it's a competitive landscape. So after the break, Brendan Schneider's going to be here and he's going to help us understand how to use storytelling in our job search. Lots of different ways to do that. So he's going to give you some good, helpful strategies and tips. But first, we're going to hear from one of my my best story buddies and somebody I admire deeply uh, for her work, her intellect, and sense of fun. Um, I'm going to tell you about Karen. Dr. Karen Dietz is a veteran in transformational business storytelling. She's the author of Business Storytelling for Dummies, a TEDx speaker and a TEDx coach. Karen's also featured in eight books on business storytelling. She received her master's and PhD in folklore from the University of Pennsylvania. She trains coaches and consults on business storytelling. Clients include Disney, Princess Cruises, Vieset, Rising Stars and Nonprofits. Let transformational storytelling help you change your world, Karen says. And we know that storytelling is, you know, it's a game changer. Welcome, Sharon. Welcome, Karen, to the show. <laughs> I just called yeah, you Sharon. So- oh my God. <laughs> I tripped, I tripped over my words. I was tripping. I was trying to say storytelling and Karen at the same time. I think they'd go together for me. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> anyway. Oh, How are you? So you wouldn't know that Karen and I just spent like 
you know, like an hour and a half chatting this week when I've just called her by a whole different name. So that's always good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we get mixed up with names at our families, right? And sometimes I end up being called Diane, which is my (laughs) sister-in-law's name. And anyway, we we just respond to, hey, you, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's all. We don't we don't need names. We just need stories, right? Right. right. <laughs> How are you, Karen? That's there. I can do it. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here today with you. I've been look, really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. And so I didn't line it up fully because I want to kind of dive into the chat. I didn't want to give too much away. So Karen's here to talk with us about data storytelling today. And um, for a lot of folks, um, this it, it, it has a lot of different, um, uh, uh, I, I, not definitions, but people use it in different ways. So Karen's here to clear it up for us because uh, Karen is an expert in data storytelling. So tell us, Karen, tell us a little bit about you. I, your teaching and story. I mean, you tell us a bit about your book. I mean, right. it's kind of a seminal book for people who are just starting with story, right? Right. Yeah, it is. It's a great, very practical how-to book. Not only how to think really well about storytelling, but uh, then how to really work with storytelling in business in so many different ways, whether marketing and sales or leadership or culture change. So, you know, Lori uh, Silverman is my co-author, and she and I really, you know, packed that book full of yeah. stuff. And you did. Uh, yeah. so hopefully it's really useful for people and practical. Yeah, it is. I can I can attest because when I was start first started using uh, story in as a tool, it was my go to. So um, mm-hmm. highly recommend mm-hmm. business storytelling for dummies. So Karen, let's get into yeah. it. What's what is data storytelling? What like it seems it sounds like a big a big term, but um, tell it break it down mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. So. Data storytelling is used in a lot of different ways this day, these days, as you know, you just said. And I saw it as an emerging trend, I guess about six, seven years ago now. And I saw, oh, people are really having a hard time, it seems, sort of wrestling with data and how to communicate it, about it really well. And in the early days, uh, and it's lasted all through today, data storytelling is mostly, you know, thought of as data visualization. Right. Let me take all of this massive amount of data and put it into um, uh, some sort of a graphic, an infographic, or or um, an interactive chart, and... There, I pulled the story of the data. Yeah. And I look at that and I go, no, I don't think so. I mean, that's a good beginning. It's like you have to have the data visualization, but that's not the story. And, you know, if you look at a lot of data visualizations, I mean, just go on the web, right? (laughs) And and, uh, do a Google search for data visualizations and you'll just be flooded by images and you take a look at some of them and you go, oh, that's interesting or, wow, I really have to study this to understand what's happening or um, sometimes it's like, well, okay, I got some data, but I don't know what the point is. And uh, so there's a 
whole other part to data storytelling that is often missed or people go, okay, I've visualized the data and I'm done. Yeah, and, you know, I love how you just put that because the thing is, is that, you know, we do, people do think the infographics are the end point. And, um, And what they don't do is tell us what to do with it. And also, as mm-hmm. you say, like, and, you know, I like the visualization, but sometimes it breaks it down to such an extent that we don't know what the story is, like, what is the narrative uh, around it? Right. So we might see the data, but what is, like, how do we get insights from it? Absolutely. So what we know about storytelling in business or anywhere we use it is that every story has to have a point. Yeah. No point, no story. Right. And that stories are meaning-making activities for us. So when we're listening to a story or when we're telling a story, we're always driving to, okay, well, this, is, this is the point, right, of the story. And this is what it means, right? And there are a lot of ways to do that without being so overt, you know, right. uh, yes. about it. But what happens for the audience is when you're telling a story, they're making their own meaning, and uh, so that's great. But when you are working with data and you're trying to make a point with the data, we hope, we hope, right? Yes. Then, you know, do you really want people making up their own meaning about the data? Well, and it's interesting because, you know, that you just highlighted something to me, which is for uh, for when we're receiving it, because we go, yeah. oh, I, so my, my brain just kind of went pop, because um, when we receive the data, we think it's fact. And so then yeah. our interpretation is that our interpretation of the data is fact. Right. So that, that, I, that is such true. a good point. We need to be more prescriptive about how to, how to pay attention, how to interpret it. Yes, and I understand objectivity, and and the way we do this when we tell a story is we don't tell people, and this is the truth, right? Mm-hmm. We, we guide them to a perspective where they can say, oh, I understand what my truth is now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, based on how we guide them. So it's, uh, it sounds contradictory what I'm saying in some ways, um, but I think the main point I'm trying to make is that I work with engineers and scientists all the time, and they say, okay, here's the data. And the audience is wrestling with, well, okay, but what's the point? And, and what does this mean? And h- how do I take action on it? And do I make a decision? And, and, you know, what ends up happening mostly is when the data is presented in that way, uh, then people in the room just end up debating the data and say, oh, we need more data. Right. And yeah, so circular. You know, it is, and the end result is that a decision that needs to be made gets extended forever, right? Right, yes. Without, without the decision being made. So I, I'm kind of going, okay, there's some things about storytelling that people in the data world need to know, and believe me, I'm no, you know, data scientist or data analyst, but I know enough about what, what what's happening to be able to say, okay, but then what's the story that you really want to convey here? And how do you want to tell orally, tell the story about what you just produced? 
right? Right. That will help somebody make a decision or move them to the next place or, you know, back your project or help them do the good work that they need to do. Yeah. So when we think about that, I'm I'm just thinking about leadership, um, either when you're trying to um, convey something as a leader, or you're trying to convey something to your leader to take action. Mm -hmm. And what we what we talk about in story is, um, you know, people make decisions based on emotion, like that's often said that, but in actual fact, um, and what I talk often too is, well, people, um, kind of react and have an emotion, but they want some logic or data to follow up to make that decision. So it, it's it's right. a bit of both, right? Like that you 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 need it both. Is. You need both right. to um, inform right. that decision making for sure. Yes, you do, and you always want to use data because it also helps build your credibility, right? Yes. And so there there are so many good reasons to use data, but I find that the emphasis is usually placed on the wrong syllable, right? Mm. It's data, 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 maybe a little anecdote, but mostly not, and then more data. When what we really need to be doing is story, data, story, data, story, data, so that we have a frame to understand the data in. Right. Can I ask you, okay, that for a presentation, that makes great sense. I'm going to ask a Mm -hmm. chicken and egg question which is something that I struggle with a little bit. Because when we say data, we imply that it's objective, factual, isn't impacted. When in Mm -hmm. fact, um, the story sometimes starts before we go and look for the data. Uh, And so, and you know, I'm sorry to researchers and data scientists, I'm gonna say it, which is we bring our own stories to data collection. And so how can we, like, how do we um, manage that, do you think? Because there's a lot of conversation about bias in data, for example, and that we want to, you know, Uh adjust the data in order to tell the story that we want to tell. So how do you work with people on that? Well, my first principle is, you know, sometimes people say, oh, oh, we have to have the story and then we fill it in with the data. And I go, okay, that's never going to work, right? Mm -hmm. Because now you're finding facts to present your point of view. And that could be a little dangerous, right? Yes. Um, But if we start with the data and then we work through a series of questions to find insights from the data, then that's maybe a better place to start from where there's less object, uh, less, Um, uh, well, I guess subjectivity. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you bring some other really key points into biases that are built into the data and how it's even collected. So we have to go back all the way to where's this data coming from? Do I even trust the data? You know, this is one of the biggest issues that leaders have with all of the data that they're being presented uh, with is, and that is trust, right? Do they trust the data? Do they trust right. the people who are delivering the data to them? Uh, love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, and story is a great trust builder, right? It is a great trust builder, but there are, 
you know, ethical things that we have to do around data storytelling uh, so that we have credibility and we question the biases. Right. And that's something that, you know, probably doesn't happen enough because we know how much, you know, there's a bias built into algorithms these days that are really Mm -hmm. impacting people in negative ways and creating more inequality, right, in our world. Yes. And, uh, and limiting access. I mean, there's a whole, all kinds of things that are happening. So, you know, what you know, Laurie Silverman and I have been working on this, you know, for a bunch of years. And now she's more in the data science world. I'm more in, uh, I'm more kind of bringing, uh, the story stuff to the, to the table, although she's a great business storyteller in addition. Uh, but we look at the neuroscience of it, but we also look at, okay, how does data move from, you know, okay, data to actually knowledge, to actually understanding, to actual oh, uh, wisdom, right? Right. And there are different insights you get at different stages of that evolution. And, you know, when you get it, knowledge, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I, I get it. I understand it. Yeah. When you get into understanding, it's like, oh, now I understand why we're doing the things we do, we're doing today and maybe how to make an improvement about what we do today. Right. But then at the third level, those are future insights. Those are insights about, oh, wow, not only do I get it, not only do I understand what we need to do today, but ah, I now have an insight about what we need to do in the future around a market disruption, about an innovation, about even a new product that we hadn't even thought of, right? Love that. And uh, so once you understand these levels of insights, then, oh, it also becomes a lot easier to tell the data story. Okay, so... I love that because it's it, there's it's on a journey. I love that you've um, yeah. done that. Could we use an example? And I'm throwing this at you, which is let's maybe let's think about employee engagement rates. So right. say there's a there's a you know a survey's been done. They've collected you know the an organization's collected some data about employee engagement, yeah. and let's say um, I don't know 52 percent of the employees in the company say they're engaged. So take us on that journey, that insight journey you just described and, and help us understand like what, what can you do with that? Because so, I've seen that happen a lot where it's just like, oh, right. 52% are engaged. That's great. And then I go, well, oh, well, 48% ain't engaged. So like what story are you going to focus on? So, um, so well, tell us like yeah. what would be the journey with that do you think that people could take to make the most, get the most value from that kind of data? Right. So you go back to the data, all that you've collected, right? And it's probably several data sets. You would hope it's several data sets, right? Yes, please. Um, Not just that one survey, right? <laughs> yes, right. please. Right, not just that one survey, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you go back to your data sets and you start asking yourself the first level of questions. Okay, so what makes sense here? Because the experience is, oh, I get it, right? And it's a useful activity, useful process to move through, right? Because it builds one step on the other. 
Right. So, all right. So what makes sense here to us, right? Now, once you've gone through that and you have a couple insights, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Then you start uh, asking yourself, okay, but what, what about what does this data tell us about what we're doing today and maybe what are some things short-term that we could do today to make some improvements? So right. this is what we call in business the low-hanging fruit. Okay. And so... And, you know, this is where a lot of our maturity is around data because it's showing us, okay, this is stuff we need to do to make some improvements, right? So around employee engagement, it's like you can look at the data and some of the specific answers to questions. Right. And you'll say, oh, right, we have a big gap here, right? Here's a little thing that we could do today to help close that gap, right? Right. It's a low score, Right. If we want to improve that one score, here's some things that we can do. Yeah. Or you maybe it's a high score and you go, woohoo, okay, right? Don't really need to do anything about that, right? But anyway, you go through the data and you ask yourself those kinds of questions. What does okay. it tell us about little things that we can do today to move these scores up? And then... Right, you go to the third, and you go, okay, but what does this tell us about things we need to start doing today to bring us into a different kind of a future? Right, right. These are called yes. future insights. And so, if you've got forty-eight people who are not engaged, you have to look at their responses to some of these things, and you go, oh my god, right? We did not realize that. Uh, the environment that people are working in is impacting people so negatively. Maybe we have, you know, open offices and people find that so distracting, right? right? So that it's hard for them to, you know, feel good about the work that they're doing. And uh, so maybe that tells us, oh, well, what can we start thinking about doing, not just today, but to move us into, oh yeah, this is something that you know, uh, uh, we could we could have a completely different future around. So, you know, now today, if we say, oh, work from home, <laughs> that would be like a normal, okay, this is something we can do today to, you know, yeah. that was in the understanding insight that back then that would have been a future insight. Right, right. Because it would be such a radical change for the company. For sure. Now, and in but terms this, of this... this- Oh, very much so, very much so. And in terms of the relationship with story then, so because I was, as you were talking, I was thinking of different places where story mm-hmm. can be used as an effective tool to build engagement for or under, yeah. further the understanding of the current insights. So, for example, the open office piece. So maybe mm-hmm. what, so, and again, stories are data points too, and that's the thing people tend to forget. They think it's all about numbers. Um, right. It's also the stories are the data points. You collect information from stories. So, you know, say Jonathan says, you know, has t- tells a story of, 
you know, how he gets in in the morning and when nobody else is there, he's at his most productive. And then as people start drifting in, he finds his productivity going down. And so by 11 o'clock, he's completely distracted and he's not focused. And so then he doesn't feel good about his work. Yeah. And you are doing exactly what storytellers do because we're trained in this. And that is to humanize the data. Right. All data is about people at some point. Right, yes. And we extract, we remove humanity and people from the data when we report it, when actually when we're telling the story of the data. That's what we mean by telling the story. We take our data set, we have our insights, no insights, no story, right? Right, yes. You've gathered your insights, right? And then you have to tell the story. And I'm, and like you just did, literally tell the story. Right, let me yeah. tell you about John, who comes into the office every day at 8 o'clock yeah. in our open office plan. And you walk people through his day and his experience. You share his experience. And then you go, now, John's just one person that I told you about. But here's what the data shows us. Right? Yeah. Is that... 78% of our workers experience the exact same thing. Right. Right. And so then on your on that journey that you've just you've described for us, so the the listeners, the people listening might be senior leadership, whoever it is, um, they're able to I, I feel like they can they, they know the data, the knowledge is there, and then the ins as it builds, the insights grow, and then that's where you're talking about the future is kind of that's where yeah. the change story comes in. It's like this is how we can right. change things. And then, right. and then this is how we're, we're going to change things and then sharing that within the organization. Like it's, right. kind, it's right. a beautiful right. process. It's actually a beautiful process. Right. And many times all a data scientist is asked to do is provide the data because the executives mm. need to make a decision. So then how do you craft the story for them so that you give them different options Yes. So that they can make the decision in a meaningful way and in a way that doesn't take a long time. Right. Where they're continually coming back to you and asking, oh, yeah, I need this piece of data or we need this piece, another piece of data in order to make a decision. That's usually because you've activated the analytical brain, which gets very linear and loves to debate the data. And, you know, there's good things about being in the linear brain. But when you're trying to uh, in, uh, move people to take some action, make a decision, right, take a step forward in some way, right, you really have to activate the story brain in order to have that happen. And we could go into the neuroscience of that because there's tons of science that shows what happens and how, how to uh, uh, help people make better decisions uh, by using story. Uh, so, yeah, I love it. And and as we've said, it's all the way along. It's story kind of enhances, guides, provides insights, and helps act. So, um, thank you so much, Karen or Sharon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be whoever today. That's whoever. Fine. That's fine. Oh, you I know. just ignored the data in front of me. <laughs> no, I really you know, appreciate one- it. Go on, yeah, sorry. one final point I want to make is yes. that, you know, mastering data storytelling 
is going to help anybody in their career. So when you're segueing over in uh, to your next interview, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I want everybody to remember that because it's so critical for anybody in business today. Yes. Yes. And, and any level, and it is, a, it is a superpower when you can bring those, the data to life in a way that connects with people so that you're able to influence. And in a, like you said, in an ethical way, um, mm-hmm. it is a superpower. It is. For sure. Thank you so much. So tell us how, if people want to work with you, because I think you're doing coaching and um, you're also doing organizational work. What, what kind of services are you providing to help organizations and leaders and how can people get in touch with you? Right. Well, there's online training workshops. I do that virtually have been doing it for a number of years, online coaching, virtual coaching. I do that. Um, consulting. I mean, we can do anything virtually these days. And uh, so anybody who ha- needs help with their stories, leaders, data folks, CFOs, I mean, I, I love working with, with uh, uh, all of these people. And uh, the best way to reach me is on my website, which is KarenDietz.com. And that's D-I-E-T-Z, Karen with a K, KarenDietz.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Karen. It's always always a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Leanne. Okay, so thanks again to Karen Dietz for that and for her uh, in class and grace when I <laughs> mistakenly called her the wrong name. I can't believe I did that. Like, I literally, I spoke, I, we chatted for, for ages earlier this week. Anyway, you know, it's one of those moments, one of those days. But hopefully I'll get it right after the break when Brendan Schneider is here to chat with us about storytelling in your job search. See you in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the What Not To Do School of Leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn that the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you will discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code radio for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the what not to do school of leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn the hard way. 
That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you'll discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code radio for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to The Leadership Leap with Leanne Pico. You can find out more about Leanne and the program at theleadershipleap.net. Don't forget that you can also send in your questions about all things leadership to Leanne at her email address, info at theleadershipleap.net, and we'll try to answer them on the show. Now, back to The Leadership Leap. Hey there, welcome back. Leanne Pico, your host. Um, had a great conversation before the break with Karen Dietz, and our story takeover is continuing now. And I love it. I love talking about story. I could do it all day long. Sometimes I do. Um, but this time we're going to talk a little, we're going to get a little more practical, I think, in talking about, um, not practical, in, let's, let's, um, we're going to move into some kind of strategies and tips for your job search because we've been doing a lot of stuff on job searching uh, with this show, but we have haven't hit on how to use story and so we're lucky to have Brendan Schneider here today I think I got his name right so far I'm doing well uh, but I want to tell you a little <laughs> bit about Brendan <laughs> you just never know today um, so let me tell you about Brendan Brendan Schneider has been a professional story spinner for over 12 years and a career services professional for four years he is a moth grand slam finalist and winner of multiple mass mouth semi-final slams by day he's a job search workshop instructor helping job seekers find their professional match he frequently uses the principles of storytelling while advising job seekers brendan welcome to the show hey thanks a lot it's great to be here how are you i'm good how are you i'm doing good i'm doing good Good. This is such a privilege for me. Um, Brendan and I have been connecting for years now, as we were just saying in the break, and this is the first yeah. time we've been able to talk in person, so I'm so happy to be able to to talk to you directly. Uh, and I've been watching your progress as a storyteller, and I just, I love that you're bringing something that you're passionate about kind of in your personal life, into your professional life. Um, and so tell us a little bit about storytelling and job searching, because I think people... Um, they might not necessarily put those things together. Sure, sure. Well, th- first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. That th- this is awesome. And uh, your first guest, Karen, that was that was some intriguing stuff. Each time, I um, each time you think you know it all with a subject, someone comes along and and, and shows <laughs> yes. it and reveals another corner of the room. You know, and and um, yeah, she had some some she had some great flashlights with that. It was it was fantastic. Okay, yeah, and so, story is um, that right? There's always more in story. There's more, more, oh, yeah. more in story. Yeah, and it's it, and it's it's the great leveler. 
storytelling yes, for humanity. For sure. is, I, I think that's. It, I think before you can get into the job search, you have to you have yeah. to um, scale back a little bit, and you have to just talk about the, the, this idea of storytelling. I mean, it's. I, I don't, Leanne. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care what year it is. Everyone has a story to tell, right? It's it's as old as the hills, and that's that's something all of us have 100 percent in common. And it it might sound hokey, but I think these days. Um, and the, the, the challenging times that we're in, I think we all need to take a step back and listen to each other's story. You know, I agree. I think we all need so to much. listen to where we're coming from, and and you know, because we don't, if we don't figure it out, it's it it, it might be uh, or it might be our doom. You know, so I, I think it's I think it's who we are, and I think we need to understand that. Now, yeah. um, I think for something in, in order for something to be a story, I think it needs. Four elements, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Leanne. What do you think those four things need to be? <laughs> I'm going to say a beginning, a middle, an end, and a call to action. Wow. Wow. Well, have a great day. This has been awesome. No. You know, well, this exactly is why right. I did a whole show, to find these things out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly right. So, so when I, I, I do a class... Um, which is called Find the Story, Find Your Career at uh, Mass Hire Metro North here in the, the Boston area. And that's how I start the class. And, and right. generally, I get people will say, well, characters and, and resolution and all that is true, right. but you nailed it. It's, it's beginning, middle, ending, and change, right? So something has to change. And when we don't have change, the, um, the response is, well, that wasn't a story. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. So something yeah. has to change. So, um, so we take those four elements and we apply them first to a target organization. So not just any organization, but an organization that it has something. You just see it, and it's appealing. So, okay. So the first thing you do is you apply beginning, the beginning of their story um, to the job search. So beginning of their story is how the organization started. So was there a particular reason why they started, a particular reason for the, for the genesis of the organization? Then the middle is the organization's present. So it's, it's where they're at right now, the financial picture of the organization, their initiatives, right? And then you find beginning in the middle from research. So uh, LinkedIn, Glassdoor, uh, just, just putting them into a search engine and researching them, right? Now, the target organization's ending. It's, it's not an ending. It's where you see them a year from now, five years from now, based on your research. So in this context, getting down to the weeds, it would be beginning, middle, and future, if you will, right? Mm, nice. Next, you've got the job seeker. So the beginning, if you were, if you were looking for a job right now, Leanne, it was, it's, your beginning is who you are already. So where you've been, your experience, the accomplishments as, uh, as you relate to the target organization. So let's say you were looking at an organization, a broadcasting organization. Of course, you would mention the leadership lead, right? Um, how you got that, how you got started with that. And then the middle, the middle is do what you're doing right now, but it's what you're doing right now to be a part of that target industry. So are, are you, do you have an internship, the research that you're doing? Maybe the, maybe the elements of your present job uh, that resonate with the job that you're looking to apply to. Now, the ending here, also not an ending, also a future, where you see yourself here, three years, five years. Now, a lot of self-reflection goes into this. And I think a lot of the times when we're looking for a job, it's a bit like 
um, we hear a stopwatch, like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta, gotta apply, yeah. gotta apply. Yeah, yeah. I think so we true. step back, right? So once you have all that mapped out, then what you do is you find commonality between your beginning and the target organization's beginning, your middle, target organization's middle, all the way up to where you see yourself and where you see the organization uh, later on. And then, you nailed it a little while ago, the fourth element of story change. So how will you, as the job seeker, as the potential applicant at that, at that target organization, how will you affect positive change at that target organization? So when you're in the interview, um, one of the questions that I always recommend to job seekers to ask is, where do you see this organization in five years? That's right. not only, right? So that's not only to find out, you know, are they on the level? Is there commonality? But it's also a brilliant segue to talk about what you see yourself doing with that organization. So the projects that you see yourself doing, the, the existing initiatives at the organization, and, and personally, how that target organization will affect positive change in you. The right. overall goal, the overall, the overarching theme of this is the word match. How do you yes. and the organization match, right? And I love, and when we think about that, Brendan, just to jump in there, yeah. because there's a, there's an, a, the match is important, but what you've done is create, a, you've highlighted a different kind of experience than people often have, which is we go and we look at the benefits, right? We look at what's the salary, what's the, how many holidays, what, what mm-hmm. am I going to get from this, Um Kind of like it, there's the list, usually the list. These are the benefits. But in actual yep. fact, that match, and I and I love how you've kind of framed that because it is actually, is my story going to interconnect with your story in a way that will take me forward? Is a very forward. cool way of looking at job searching. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's look, I, I think a lot of us, when we're job seeking, we, we start with a job search board. And I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily disrespecting that. However, I think it starts with, I think it starts with yourself. I think yes. it starts with who you're just simply, and it might sound a little hippy-dippy, but who am I? What do I yeah. want to do? And, yeah. and Leanne, I'll have people in workshops and they'll say, um, well, I'm, I'm, it's too late for that. And it's not. It's, 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 it's not too late to think about what do I want to do? Because yeah. the, the, worst, the worst is when you get hired for an organization and it's like two or three weeks later and you, and you think to yourself, I made a terrible mistake. I shouldn't be here. Right? Oh, and yeah. The match. Yeah, much worse. Oh, much worse. Is that a yeah. sinking feeling, right? So, yeah. so the, the idea is to start, what do I want to do next? If I can do anything, you know, forget about money for a second, forget about your, um, your, your apartment, forget about laundry money and all that stuff. Just if, if all those things weren't factors... Where do I see myself? Yeah. And I personally, I hit a, a, I was at a serious professional crossroads a few years back, and I walked into that same career center at Mass Hire, and, and, um, and I threw up my hands, and I said, I have no idea. I'm 39 Hi. years old, professional yeah. crossroads, don't know what, but I knew that I liked customer service, and I knew that I liked helping people. And it wasn't until I walked into a workforce development, workforce um, organization, if you will, that I thought, what about employment where I'm helping the underemployed and the unemployed? And it just, it was like I mounted a, a rocket ship. And I oh, thought, this nice. is what I want to do. This yeah. is it. This, I found it. 
it took me a, a it took me a while, but I don't I don't know if I would have if I would have found it earlier on. I, I think we are our experiences, right, and both good and bad. And we if we're if we're healthy about it, um, we take the bad and we learn from it and we move on, and, and then in turn teach other people. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's part of the thing that we talk about when we talk about story is it's not just a kind of a a practical tool to use, which it is in a lot of ways. It's also what we're living. We're part, we're creating, we're kind of continually reimagining our own story when we're being intentional about thinking about what we, how we want to contribute. Because it's not just, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the challenge, right, is that Oh, sometimes I, I think I, and that's where I talk a lot about passion and I think people get very confused about that and that we're somehow born with this idea and that that's our story. And if we don't do that, that we're not, you know, fulfilling our, our dream when in actual fact, it's what you're talking about, which is what, what am I open to? What, what kind of fits with what I want to do next? It It may not even be like, who knows what you're going to be doing in 20 years? I mean, we it, hopefully we all have such yeah. a long lifetime to be able to do different things. So in terms of that, so let's go a little bit practical now in terms of the when we think about, so we've, we've mapped out the organization, we've mapped out our own kind of journey. We feel like there's yeah. an intersection there. There's, there's a, a job application to be done. And then there's a whole process for kind of moving through that. How can we use story throughout that process to nail that job and make sure it is part of our own story in future? Well, when you, it's, it all, the whole job search has to be viewed through the lens of the target organization. So if, and that's where the research comes in. So maybe an an accomplishment, you'd put down an accomplishment on one cover letter but you wouldn't necessarily put down that same accomplishment on the cover letter that's going to a different organization because their, their, their initiatives or the, the, the business thrust would be a little different from organization A and organization B. So I, I think generally as job seekers, we, we stick with one or two industries, but I think we need to remember too that we, could, we can go to a, a few different places within those industries. So to answer right. your question, I think, it, I think it comes from your... Your professional accomplishments, i.e., your your professional stories, those go into the materials that you're sending to that target organization, um, based upon who they are and where they're going. Right. The, it, it starts it starts with research. So from a from a story from a performer's standpoint, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a really quick story. Try shutting a storyteller up. <laughs> I'll give you a really quick story. <laughs> I did a story. I I did a gig once where I said I'm going to talk about my daughter being born. It's going to be awesome. It's a brand new story. People are going to dig it. My wife loves it. Family loves it. And then when people started coming into the, um, to the, to the theater there, the majority of the people there um, were, were young. And, and all of a sudden I thought to myself, uh-oh. And mm-hmm. the story bombed. Now, it didn't right. bomb because it was a bad story. It bombed yeah. because I didn't do my research and I, I was speaking to the wrong demographic. I think we make the same exact mistake as job seekers, I think sometimes we, we go into an interview and we're armed with some some great tools, but it's not the type of tool that we need for that organization. We show up with a flathead screwdriver instead of a Phillips screwdriver. It's still a great yeah. screwdriver, but it's not one that's going to apply to the to the the job at hand, right? So, yeah. I, so I, think good. We, I think we make that mistake sometimes. So I think it's the right story for the right organization, and that comes from research. 
Yeah, it sure does. And it, and so the research into the organization, but what I always say when I'm hiring and or when I'm interviewing is look at the person's specification, look at the list of things they want from the person, the competencies, yep. um, because that's a good guide to what stories you want to have in your toolbox going in. You want to have some story because generally they're going to ask a behavioral question. Tell us about a time. And so, yeah. you know, there's a great opportunity and or you can, I always call it story dropping. You can just drop stories, you know, because uh, one of the things I was very lucky when I was younger, I worked in the UK for a long time and the European Union had some really quite like the whole, there's very strict equal opportunities framework. And so you had to be very good at applications um, and mm-hmm. in order to get an interview. And so what we would always have is you'd have, you know, you, you, you say what you did and then provide evidence of what you did. You always had to back it up in ev- with evidence, either in your mm-hmm. cover letter or in your interview. And a good way of doing that is through story, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's the choice of words, too. So mm-hmm. we've got applicant tracking system software that's out there that's, that's attached to a lot of these online job applications. If you don't have the right words there's a very high likelihood your resume right. is, is never even going to be seen by human eyes, right? The computer sure. will, will pitch it yeah. out, right? So, so yeah. it's, it's, that, it's that research and, and knowing what you're getting yourself into. It, the organization might be awesome. They might be so successful, but it's not a match, you know? Yeah. And, and if it's not a match, then you, 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 you wipe the dust from your feet and you, you move on to the next organization. But, but I, think yeah. it, I think it sketches some people out because... They, especially now, there's, there's so many positions that have been rescinded or, or put on hold, and, and people really feel this stopwatch in their mind, like, I've got to get it, i got to get it. And rightfully so, because it's their family, and it's their mortgage, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. Their, it's food. But we need to make sure that we're not, I don't know, to, to borrow another metaphor, we need to make sure that we're not going out of the frying pan and into the fire. We need to make sure that we're making the jump into something that's, that we're going to be able to be a positive force with that organization and they're going to be a positive force in our lives too and that's the really crucial part because I've done that too where I've kind of jumped into jobs and just you know it takes it takes a while to regret it for me because generally I'm kind of like I'll make the best of it I'll make the best of it and then it's like oh my god this this is not going to end well so you're absolutely right like when you and again there's potentially they're pulling out a story piece which is what is my story going into this you know is it that I'm out of a job I don't have any money we're going to be homeless um, that's not a good narrative to have playing in the back of your head as you're go- as you're job searching. So I love that you're talking about that. It's it's partly about match, but it's also partly about what it what it what is what is my narrative about what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes look, we we are we're living in the real world. We have to adhere to the rules of reality, and and sometimes you have to just take something. You take yeah. something that you know yep. you can do. So sure. food's on the table, but I think what messes a lot of people up is then they stay in that stopgap job and then they get burnt out when really what they should have done was stay in that stopgap job and still look because we're always more I mean right we're always more attractive to an organization if we're already working at an organization because it entails somebody else trusted us so the the idea is to yeah grab something but keep looking right yeah and or, you know, sometimes we, it might take just as much time to grab something as it does to find something really good. It's really about, 
you know, where you're at in terms of your career sure. as well, because, you know, sometimes that stopgap job doesn't help your resume. So it is, again, what is what is my bigger story here and how can I um, frame it in a way that mm-hmm. makes me feel comfortable, but also puts me into a place where I can find something that, uh, like you say, is a good match and is going to add to my own story for sure. Absolutely. So tell us Absolutely. two two things, two things. So we've got a couple of minutes till close. Two things that um, you you know, say to people when they're job searching in terms of how to use story or how to, um, you know, some key strategies that you share? Um, number one, be curious. It sounds very, very simple, but it's, it can be, it can get kind of complex. Be curious, be curious about the organization and be curious mm-hmm. about how you would fit in and what you're going to do together. So be curious. Love that. The next, I love it. The next, yeah, yeah. And, and then thank you. And the next thing is, Believe in yourself. When we lose our job, when we're underemployed, it is it is such a a, a blow to our identity. When you go to a social a social situation, if you're in a bar or something, at, at the first question out of their mouth, oh, what's your name? Second question is, what do you do? So yes. when you're in between jobs, it's like, I don't know, how do I answer this, right? So it's it's believe in yourself and have confidence and know where you're at and be interested in a particular uh, industry. And be psyched about that industry. If you're not psyched about your industry, you've got to get a new industry. So it would be be curious yeah. and, and believe. And the second part is hard. It's yeah. hard. It's, it's hard yeah. to have self-confidence sometimes, especially now. I mean, yeah. no, nobody can see each other. I'm in, I'm in Arlington, Massachusetts, and when you walk around, I can't see anyone's faces. Yeah. We're all in masks right now. So, so that psychologically, that's difficult. You do it anyway. <laughs> like my yeah, father just keep going. Just go and do it Absolutely. anyway. Exactly. Just keep Absolutely. Going. Exactly. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Brendan. So tell us, how do we get in touch with you in terms of either checking out your storytelling or finding out about the job coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you can go to brendanschneider.com. That's my website. Um, and that's B-R-E-N-D-Y-N, um, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R, Schneider, like one day at a time. Uh, no pun intended. Brendanschneider.com. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then um, for the 70s fans in, in the crowd. And then um, check out my, you can check out my LinkedIn page. Um, uh, just go to Brendan. I think I'm the only Brendan Schneider spelled that way on LinkedIn. It's, it's on your website as well. And, um, and I work for a fantastic organization, Mass Hire Metro North out of Cambridge, and you can find them pretty easy too. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, and I'd be awesome. happy to talk to anybody about the job search. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brendan. And thank you again to Karen for being here and uh, talking about data storytelling. It was a fantastic data uh, storytelling takeover. And I hope you have a happily ever after for the rest of your day. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for joining us this week for the Leadership Leap. Liam Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help you make a successful leap into leadership.